welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. So Sarah Ann, there was a collective idea about presenting you with some token of appreciation for all your hard work, for what you do for the society, and we, we, we bantered around about what we were going to do to... Um, to you know, give you something that you really like and could really use, and we decided on the perfect gift. But it's too awkward and too bulky to take to Charlotte or to send there, so we're giving it to you today. Dr. K and Dr. Piracci are part of this group, so um, unfortunately they're not here with us today. But we need to get we need to get going. Uh, if you'll close your eyes for one moment, put, put your hat, put your Put your brain down <laughs> over your eyes so you can't see. You are now the proud owner of a Lomi machine. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Because you're good That's at taking, taking garbage and scraps and turning it into wholesome goodness. Uh, right. That's <laughs> about as thoughtful as it gets, guys. Hey, my, my heart is very happy. I'll dig in my dirt and think happy thoughts about you all. Thank you. Uh, welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. Dr. John Green is with us today as a guest host. Dr. Green, thanks Glad for joining us. As always, we like the guest host to introduce themselves. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your practice. Where sure. You right so uh, I'm a professor of surgery here at Atrium Health in Charlotte, where all of you and all of our wonderful listeners will be gathering in just a few short weeks for, for CWIS. So I am a professor in the Division of Acute Care Surgery, so we do trauma, EGS, critical care and quite a uh, active uh, chest wall reconstruction program we've been uh, engaged in since about 2015. I'm a native of Louisiana and this is as far north as I could make myself move. Um, so having trained in uh, Tennessee and then uh, around a little bit and worked in St. Louis for a couple of years and I've been here since 2009. Um, various roles along the way, including about a decade at the helm of the residency program. So I'm what we in the program director world refer to as a recovering program director. So I'm on the other <laughs> side of that and uh, looking for some something else to uh, get engaged in. And the, the chest wall program has really sort of been my side hustle since 2015. It's been a lot of fun to get going and um, develop here in Charlotte. It's a great place to be and uh, look forward for everybody coming to visit. Yeah, Dr. Green, we wanted to um have you on we were just having an interesting conversation about you know training and residency i think you uh, might have listened to that episode and want to talk a little bit more about what that's like from your perspective you know as a ex-program director if you will oh uh, yeah i mean we can really get lost in the weeds with this if you want to so um i did listen to that episode i thought it was great it sort of gave me the tinglies because uh you know from a program director standpoint match day is sort of like christmas morning you know you put a whole lot of effort into it, and then when you get your rank list in that match week, you just can't wait to see what's on it. You're, um, you know, an engaged program director is probably as excited as, as an applicant to see the other side of the list. And um, it's really, it's a totally a labor of love. It's uh, a full-time job. It's 24-7, um, always available. Every problem comes to you. Every bit of credit goes to someone else. Um, and that's just part of it. But, you know, I told somebody, if you're a really good educator, you'll never get another teaching award. The rest of your faculty will get all the teaching awards. You've got everybody lined up. Um, I, in fact, I remember 
winning several teaching awards in a row and then I became program director and I told a partner, I said, well that's over, I'm never going to get another award because you become a referee, right? So every call you make, half the world hates you, either the winning team or the losing team. Uh, but it's, it's incredibly rewarding. So, you know, there's, there's about 50 surgeons out there with my name on their certificates and um, you, gotta, you know, you really, you take a lot of pride in that. You put a lot of effort into it and you have to keep the bar high and develop a culture and so forth. So, the, you know, the match is something that uh, was so incredibly important to me. I would read every single application of everybody that I interviewed and it was always a bit of a game. I would try to come up with something that I knew would catch them off guard in an interview. So they knew that I read everything. So I would find the, you know, something out of a letter of recommendation or out of a, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a personal statement, and they would say, "I can't believe you read my personal statement." And I thought, "Well, that's my job to figure out who you are and whether you need to be here." And because we put so much effort into it, it's still fun. I see people that did not train here that I interviewed years ago that I, you know, at meetings and so forth, and it's fun to have those connections and then when you're in that educational world you sort of know people in that role all over the country and uh, it's a bit of a it's kind of a small crowd sort of the same persecuted individuals that all have the same suffering problems at their institutions I told people that the program directors meeting was always my support group you know you go there and you're hey I'm John I'm a program director and everybody says hey John you say, I've got all these problems, nobody will do evaluations, ours don't either, John, you know. And then we collectively try to solve it. So it's That's kind of like how Tom started CWIS. Yeah. Hi, I'm Andy, I do rib fixation, everybody hates me, and everybody's like, hi, Andy. Nobody <laughs> thinks you should be doing it. I've been doing this, I've been doing this for three years, I'm 310 days without a case. <laughs> <laughs> It's similar. It's similar. So, but then you go to CWIS and you have your support group. Hey, Andy, I do ribs too. You know? Yeah. So it's pretty neat. You know, the, the match evolved out of necessity. I mean, and you guys talking about it in the in the last fracture line. You know, in the '50s, it was a free for all, right? That's why the match came about because everybody just threw out jobs and they were signing people as second year medical students, and there had to be something to even the playing field. So the history of the match is kind of interesting. The fact that it still exists the way it exists is even more interesting. Uh, but it's just people's future, you know, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> how, um, how have you incorporated uh, rib fixation into your program or into your marketing strategy for um, uh, during your interview process? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, one of the things that I like to tell folks is that I really enjoy this in the trauma world because there's not that many new questions in a trauma practice, right? I told them, I don't care if you guys ever write another paper about taking care of a splenic injury. We can split those hairs and, you know, you do angio at your place, we, whatever, I'm tired of it. This is a new question and so it's fun to be a part of figuring all of this out as we go along. And um, our residents have really gotten on board and enjoyed it. And when it was still sort of questions about whether, you know, who are we supposed to be doing, what's really going on here. I sort of pitched it to trainees as, look, this is the only place you're going to learn, for example, to do a controlled muscle sparing posterior lateral thoracotomy incision. When you're on the trauma service and you're doing a thoracotomy, it's probably either in the emergency department or a slash and burn in the operating room. But let's come look at the anatomy of the thoracic cage. and. Um, Quite frankly, many general surgeons are a little intimidated to go above the diaphragm, right? It's just not something in general surgery you do all of that much. And so it's added a lot to our training program. 
Um, it's gotten residents interested in trauma that previously really weren't. Um, I think they've really seen the benefit of it. Um, it's a very satisfying thing to be a part of, as you guys all know. I mean, this is, I tell them this is the one operation you'll do. Nobody's going to complain about their incisional pain. They're all going to feel better when you're done. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to incorporate it. It's something new that didn't exist when I was a resident. I mean, it existed, but man, we really were just... <laughs> I, although I, I'll say, you know, it's interesting. Our residents get more thoracic experience with us now than any other service line. I mean, many general surgery residents have, for, there's no CT anymore. Uh, there's no cardiac anymore, for sure, in general surgery residency, unless somebody does it as an elective. And there's pretty minimal thoracic even. I don't know about all of you guys, but most of our residents spend maybe a month on thoracic the entire time they're residents. The, and that's from a general surgery training perspective, that's a big deal, right? Because cardiac and vascular are so, they used to be, we all did it and it's so far on the periphery and the skill set's so different. You know, this is, um, it's evident by the integrated programs with folks that, that go straight into I-6 cardiac and vascular programs. So there's not many general surgery residents that have any sort of high volume thoracic or vascular experience. It's going to be a unique program that still does that. Yet you finish as an attending and have to do a, uh, as a, as a, you know, acute care surgery attending, you very well may have to do a resuscitative thoracotomy. My co-chief did a resuscitative thoracotomy as a general surgery attending in an ED uh, at a level two facility before I did as a critical care fellow the year I finished. You're, you're right. I mean, our residents on thoracic do no open surgery at all, for sure. It's all robotic, which is great. Um, but they just, you know, how are you going to handle that in an emergency situation? You know, we, we, we joke that you can emergently dock the robot, but um, we're probably not going to be in the right spot for it. So uh, it's a, that's a big question. And that those questions are being debated hotly in the in the education world, for sure. How is it working with Brad Thomas? He seems like a nice guy. The Yeti? The trauma Yeti. Um, so, and, uh, and I, know, I like how you pose that question. Yeah, and I know, uh, you know, I, Dr. Thomas has been a guest host with you guys. So Thomas and I have a great history because he was four years behind me in our residency. We trained together. And so when I left his six-year program, he was sort of my go-to guy as a PGY2 in the ICU. I know he looks older than me, but I'm older than him. He was going into the Navy, and I made a deal with him. I said, let me know when you get out of the Navy, I'm going to come get you, because I thought he'd be a great partner. And I had no idea this would actually come to fruition. So he's, he goes to Guam for a little bit, and um, he decides to, to get out of the Navy. He's looking for a job, and here he is. So we've... Um, We've developed a, a, a great rib practice. He's, he's our, our leader, if you will. He's sort of the organized brain behind our, our rib program, and he's our section chief for EGS. I'm very happy to be 100% worker B with no administrative role anymore. So I would tell you that it's great to work with Thomas because I helped train him. John, you have an interesting nickname. You want to tell us why some people call it, know you as Dr. Wellerness? <laughs> Is this going to be on the cutting room floor? Or is this going to make it to, to the it final? It could cut be. It depends on how we react to it. Here's the deal. I refer to myself as a recovering program director. Because I have no administrative role, I'm not really worried about the accolades the department may or may not give me or the buy-down time I may or may not have. Um, several of my young energetic partners have roles in many, many other things and can find themselves frustrated with a lack of support and uh, resources. So since 
no longer being the program director, I have decided that it's all about your attitude and nobody's going to make me feel like a, the miserable human being that Andy and I were talking about our children trying to make us feel like. So I became the de facto um, wellness chief for our trauma group. Now, that comes with no FTE buy-down, I assure you. Um, however, several of us happen to be uh, bourbon aficionados, which wellness pretty quickly got converted to Wellerness. For those of you who are familiar with the Weller brand of, uh, of bourbon, we like to go on hunts. We have at least one partner from the state of Kentucky who now has a child who plays baseball in Kentucky and goes up there about every weekend on a hunt for us. And so Wellness Chief quickly became Wellerness Chief, which then became Johnny Wellerness, which then goes in people's phones as Johnny Wellerness, which then when people ask for my contact, Brad Thomas and Sarah Ann and Dr. White, Johnny Wellerness's contact. And unfortunately, that's probably how I am in your phone and maybe for time immortal. It sure is. There you go. That's fantastic. But then each time it pops up, it reminds me to, you know, take a moment and like smell the roses and say, okay, what, the, uh, what, the, what would be wellness about this moment? Well, take well, a moment and take a shot of whiskey. That, that's well, that's, what that's, 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 what it, that's what it really means, Tom. But the irony you, you cannot appreciate because in the throes of being the program director, um, <laughs> let's just say I, I did not qualify as wellness chief for myself or anyone else. So um, it's a bit of a joke in the, in the hallway here. So, uh, Tom, I hope that uh, Dr. Wellerness is on the um, agenda for the meeting <laughs> with a breakout session, preferably <laughs> after 9 deep breathing it's exactly good. yeah he'll we, lead like a deep breathing session I'm, I'm, down I'm at moderating the, bar. the opening session andy we're gonna get off we're gonna really get get started on, with the, on the right foot here well we're super excited to to head to charlotte and we're we appreciate to, uh, all yeah. that that you and your team are doing i we've absolutely taken over dr thomas's garage which is is difficult to do because it's not a small garage he's definitely been gracious about it we've enjoyed our meetings coming out to to meet with you and the team just so, so appreciate all that, that you guys have done. Thank you so much. You're, well, we're happy to help out. We're excited to have everybody. Charlotte's a great place to visit. Hopefully the weather will co will cooperate. And uh, what I really can't wait to see is when we team up for a little uh, little NASCAR pit crew challenge at the Hall of Fame and see how that goes. Cause that's a, that's gonna be a fun event. <laughs> Put on your fire suits, boys, and get ready. Yes, Dr. Bauman did inform us that he's been doing lots of Mario karting to uh, prepare for the moment. So I, I think he's, I think he's I'm ready. well prepared. I, I'm a little frightened to see what happens when you put a pneumatic drill in the hands of a of a rib surgeon. It's going to be like when you used to teach those courses, and you know, like just shuddered every time you saw yeah. somebody grab one of the drills. Yeah. I will tell you the last time I was at a group event at the at the Hall of Fame, and we were in the racing portion, I was disqualified for uh, unnecessary aggressiveness. I was told so. Um, <laughs> It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not bumper cars, but it's. It's a great time. Yeah, that's like the unnecessary aggressiveness is like training Kriskow as a resident. <laughs> not first, you're last, right? That's right. This <laughs> damn yeah. I would encourage everybody to watch Talladega Nights before coming if you haven't seen it yet. Well, and maybe give us a teaser yeah, for nice what we can expect at the Whitewater Center for those that uh, that aren't familiar. We'll be sending out more emails about it, but. Yeah. As someone who's a fan, we, I, we would know, love I, to hear more. Sure, I used to say that they should pay me because when I did my residency recruitment thing, I had so many pictures from the Whitewater Center. It's a it's a incredible property right on the edge of town. It's actually where the U.S. National Whitewater kayak team trains. 
Uh, they got about almost 60 miles of biking and running trails. It's right on the river, so it's flat water kayaking and paddle boarding, and then up to Class 4 Whitewater in the man-made river. Great music series, ropes courses, hundreds of beers on tap, good food, just a great environment, a lot of fun. Family friendly, dog friendly, pet friendly, not just dog, just a great environment. It's a great place to unwind, good place to go after work, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. We ought to uh, establish some competitions here. I don't know if we need a little speed climbing. We got all you, all you mountain and western folks out here. The Utah crowd may take over the rock climbing sessions, but um, be, be, beware kayaking in the south, deliverance reference. It'll be pretty exciting. So that's Friday afternoon. Great. We'll have buses that'll be running all afternoon. Um, and there are trails to just walk. And like he mentioned, there are mountain bikes available. You can go running. Um, there's a pavilion where you can just hang out in the shade if you're interested in, in just snacking on the snacks and the beer that we purchased. Um, things like that. So there will be lunch served. It, it should be a really great afternoon. So the, the meeting wraps up at noon and then the buses will start running immediately and they'll run through until 5 p.m. So um, it's for all of our attendees, our industry partners, any anyone that's associated with the meeting um, is welcome to, to come be part of it and hang out with us. It's going to be really great. If anybody wants to hit the high school play after that, my daughter has told me to invite <laughs> all my rib nerd friends to come to her play. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. What's the play, John? Remind Legally Blonde. That's a play now? Wow. What the heck? Oh, man. Yes. Get out of your cave, Bowman. It's a, it's a Broadway, but uh, we're doing the, we, they're doing the Central West End version. Apparently, there's a little legality issue. You can't do the Broadway play. It's still touring, so I've heard all about it. But Well, I wanted to clarify some of the events of the, the summit event overall, I should say, because um, I have received a variety of, of email messages about it, and I think sometimes it's hard for people to keep track of all the different things that are going on, specifically um, extracurricular things. So Wednesday evening is for the collaborative centers. Um, so if you are part of a collaborative center, Wednesday evening is, is a time when you want to be participating in the collaborative centers dinner and research and updates discussion. If you don't know anything about it or your site lead has not mentioned it to you, um, either ping them or ping me and let's let's get you registered so that we know what the plan is there. Thursday evening is what we're calling the Royal Court this year. It's had other names in other years. So last year it was mining on Main Street. When we were in Denver, it was learning on Larimer, but it's our evening event where we have um, a sponsored presentation by um, one of our or the each of our industry partners um, fund a speaker and then we have the opportunity to hear a message um, so that will be Thursday evening I think it will be a terrific activity so please make sure that you have that on your calendar Friday afternoon as we mentioned earlier in the episode we're going to be headed to the Whitewater Center um, so content will wrap up about noon and then buses will run until five o'clock or so so you'll have a solid couple hours there to go get some sunshine, you know, certainly um, just enjoy some, some time together and we can um, follow up on any of the previous debates that we've had for the previous days or just, uh, just enjoy some wellness. Saturday evening, NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's gonna be awesome. I know some people have shared um, photos and um, descriptions of some costumes that I've heard about and I don't think it will disappoint. So whether you decide to come costumed or not, Saturday night is going to be great. So 
let me know if you forgot to purchase your ticket when you signed up. Um, I can still help you with that process. Otherwise, um, just get excited. Saturday night will be great at the Hall of Fame. And then we'll uh, look forward to, to sending everyone off with a bang. So. Racers, start your engines. Yes. I'll send you the link to the play tickets for whoever wants to go. Yes. And Legally Blonde is going on. So if you want to see the local high school, there's what that up? option as well while you're in town. So what, uh, that should be exciting. I think, you know, just in general, um, I think overall it, it's going to be really great. We sold our room block. We, uh, we were able to acquire more rooms and we sold out that room block. And now they cannot add any more rooms because the hotel is sold out. Um, and pretty much all to us. So to the five people who are not a part of our meeting that are stuck in the hotel, so sorry. So sorry in advance. You're gonna hear a lot of rib, rib stuff. Um, but it should be a pretty awesome time. Um, and I think that about wraps it up. It's a super friendly, super easy, walkable city. Uber and Lyft work very easily to and from the airport, so no issue there. Um, I know I've sent a couple emails about this, but there is some construction going on at, at the airport. So I, am, I would say plan just a few extra minutes, uh, more than you would normally anticipate if you're someone who cuts it kind of close on your departure. Um, I would I would encourage just a couple extra minutes on your departures. April 20th, we're having a partner webinar with um, the Surgical Infection Society. So SIS and CUS, um, we have a handful of members that we share between us and we're gonna be, we've been working on um, a shared practice guideline with them. We'll be rolling that out in a webinar on April 20th. So if you keep an eye on the newsletter, you can go ahead and sign up. Um, and we'll also be talking about that at the summit. Cool. Well, let's move on to final stitch. I so I can go first. I don't know if I should share this or not, but um, I I just thought it was hilarious, um, pretty ingenious. <clears throat> um, my uh, I have all girls. For those of you that don't know, um, and uh, my 11 year old played a pretty uh, pretty funny uh, and scary uh, uh, April 1st uh, April Fool's Day prank on me. Um, I was busy typing some emails when she frantically called me into the bathroom <clears throat> and she uh, dumped some red dye in the toilet and then colored her, I uh, colored her underwear red and told me this Ooh. was her first period and I about lost my, you know what, uh, I freaked out for a hot minute there. <laughs> then she started laughing. She videotaped the whole thing. I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive for an 11 year old to uh, to come up with that prank uh, on me. Uh, but uh, um, I guess I'll remember that one forever. So. Yeah. That was too much for Tom, I guess. <laughs> hate to think what she's going to do to you seven years from now when she's eight. All right. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness. All right. So my final stitch is that uh, I am very much looking forward to the summit. I can't wait. But I am taking a surgical strike mission to um, go to Snowbird with my 13-year-old for four days prior to the summit. Just because, you know, I'm still still shocked that CWIS is moving east of the Mississippi. Not that I'm not looking forward to it, but I just got to get that last fix in one last time for a couple of days beforehand. So thank you for putting up with all the snow, and thank you for getting another couple feet before we get there too, Sarah. We have plenty for you. We, oh my goodness, Snowbird crossed the 800 mark this, this week, for those that don't know. And it is... A lot of snow. It has been a inches year. In, 105 inches in seven days this week. I have a final stitch. Two weekends ago, I had the pleasure of 
traveling back to my my old stomping grounds, Western Nebraska, for the Western Nebraska Trauma Symposium. I was an invited guest along with Dr. Bauman. Um, Nebraska is such a long state that his drive from Omaha to Scotts Bluff and my drive from Salt Lake to Scotts Bluff were basically equivalent drives. But it was a, it was a very nice uh, homecoming of sorts. Saw a lot of old friends and a lot of old colleagues and really had an enjoyable time. Zach and I sat on a panel together and did our bantering thing, and I think it was enjoyable. But the, their PR director just sent me a transcript of the, or a copy of the news release that they're going to write up, and asked me for my, my approval. And I started to read through it, and I noticed that every every other line was Dr. Bauman said, and Dr. Bauman did this, and Dr. Bauman brought this, and Dr. Bauman is this guy, and and there wasn't a single mention of, of the prodigal son. And uh, I was humbled by that. And so, Zach, I hope you uh, approve <laughs> of this press release. And congratulations for uh, for your stellar performance there in Western Nebraska. Tom, I'm too bad Fred isn't here so that he could tell you that like every CWIS paper that's ever been written is the Parachi paper. <laughs> of, of all the things I could say, I think I would be remiss if I didn't just say on behalf of my partners and I and Charlotte, we're really excited to welcome everybody here because. I have skied Snowbird. That's real skiing. It's awesome. I hope you guys have a great time out there, Andy. But there is nothing like springtime in North Carolina. So uh, get that out of your system and come on and bring your shorts and let's have a good old time. We've uh, already shown Tom and Sarah Ann some, some local barbecue spots and uh, be happy to arrange anything that we need to to get you a good, good taste of home here. Um, it's going to be a good time. We're really excited to have everybody. So let us know how we can help. As the official outreach guy for our RIB program, whatever that might mean. Um, happy to, uh, to play the same role for our CWIS friends as you come to town. Fantastic. Thanks, John. Well, we super appreciate all that you guys have, have done to welcome us, and we feel very welcome. So that is exciting. And I, I agree that it is a wonderful, wonderful city. Uh, my final stitch, so I um, was in Charlotte. This was 10 years ago, actually, pretty much right now, I mean, 10 years and a month ago, and I had flown into Charlotte to do an event for the Hydrocephalus Association, like an advocacy event. And while I, and I had not been feeling well, and I finally recognized that like my shunt was done when I was on the plane and had to get medical transport as soon as I landed, ironically, and I ended up, they took me straight, like I didn't have a choice or anything, Dr. Green, so I'm so sorry I didn't end up meeting you guys, but they took me straight to Presbyterian where they drained fluid, gave me a bunch of medication, and my neurosurgeon said, no, no, do not change that shunt there. You just ship her back. And they worked it out with Delta to put me back on a flight the next morning, like immediately on the 6 a.m. whatever, back to Utah, and I came back. They picked me up through medical transport again, took me back to IMED and had um, had my shunt revised immediately there. So it was a weird, I have all these weird feelings of like when I'm in the Charlotte airport of remembering like being in, you know, like in the medic cart and like just, you know, seeing these, these, you know, they were EMTs, but seeing people and thinking, I am so sick. And like, so it's, it's really nice to be replacing some of those like really scary and strange moments of my life, like with all these really joyful, beautiful moments that we're having now with planning and executing the summit. Because for a while, Charlotte just had this very 
strange, like surreal feeling to me that I was kind of afraid of the city. Like, I know that sounds really silly, but when you experience something really traumatic in a place, like going back to that place was, was a really meaningful thing. And then when I did finally go back for a different event, I, it was, it was just such a lovely place that then I, I couldn't help but return multiple times and then decided to, to bring the summit there. So it's, it's a place that has all these like complicated, but lovely feelings in my heart. So I'm really glad that we're Really glad we're bringing the summit there. We're excited to welcome you back and make some some new, better memories. Absolutely. Yeah.